This is the Affirm America podcast, where we stand up and speak out affirming American excellence. Coming to you deep in the heart of the Midwest, located in an undisclosed log cabin on the outskirts of town, your host, Marquis Vandemark. Welcome, welcome, welcome to the Affirm America podcast. I'm your host, Marquis Vandemark. And we are in uh, CPAC in Orlando, Florida this week. It's nice and warm, about 84 degrees. Sure beats the Midwest in uh, late February. But more importantly, it's great to be with like-minded individuals that love freedom, liberty, peace. And we couldn't be at a better venue here at the Rosen Shingle Resort here in Orlando, Florida. Thank you very much for joining us today. We've got a very good program for you, interview. We met uh, so many uh, amazing uh, patriots in CPAC over the last four days. And I hope to bring you some very interesting interviews that we collected while we were there. Today I have somebody that is very timely with the fact that Russia has recently invaded Ukraine, and I met up with a freedom fighter that was around during the Polish invasion of by Russia, and he has some very interesting insights that I think you'll all find to be very informative and very timely with the fact that we're living in another aggressive communist expansionism by the Russian dictator Putin. His name is Zygmunt Stavensky, and uh, I was very happy to have met him while I was at CPAC, and we got a chance to spend a few minutes together talking about his experiences, and I think you'll find that uh, it's very informative and will give you some insight into how the Russians think and what it's like to be occupied by a dictator, and in this case, the Russian dictators that have advanced across Eastern Europe. So let's listen to uh, Mr. Stavinsky's uh, interview, and then we'll talk a little bit more on the backside. Okay, here we are at uh, CPAC with, uh, tell us your name. Uh, My name is Zygmunt Stasiewski. And uh, Zygmunt? Is that right? Uh, tell us a little bit about your story here. Uh, we were listening to what you were just talking about, Poland. Tell us uh, why you're here and what your background is. Well, you know, back in 1980, I was one of the organizers of the anti-communist strikes in Poland. Then I became one of the top leaders of Solidarity Movement. I was a delegate to the First National Congress of Solidarity. I was a member of the Presidium of the Congress. And also I was running the energy section of Solidarity for Southwestern Poland with about 10,000 members. And I was like 26 years old. I was a young guy, young kid, young electrical engineer, three years out of college. So there was a huge responsibility. Then in, uh, in, the fall of, in December of 1981, the communists were fed up with our movement, which was 10 million members strong. And the communists, uh, at the direction of the Soviets, decided to impose a martial law. So they did. They shut down all the media, all the telephones and everything. 
They put tanks on the streets and they arrested the first night a top 1,000 leaders of solidarity. I was one of them. So I ended up in a communist prison. They called it an internment camp, but it was a really an old German prison for about six months. And then after six months, they told us that we either uh, leave Poland with a one-way passport without the right to return, or they can keep us for as long as they want to because we were not accused of anything, we were not charged with anything. So at that point, I didn't want to leave. Then they told me that if I don't leave, they are going to assassinate my mom. And I was the only child. My father you know, passed away. I was the only protector of my mom. So at that point, I decided to take my one-way passport, and I came into the United States to New York, where I organized strong support for solidarity, fundraising, PR work. I was a public speaker for Amnesty International, talking about political prisoners and so forth. And I continued that until 1989, when Poland had its own free elections. And at that point, I uh, you know, started my own engineering company, which, you know, which I still own. So tell me, what's, uh, what's your thoughts with uh, what's happening now in Ukraine and uh, the invasion by Putin and whether he's going to stop at Ukraine and maybe move uh, into Eastern Europe? What, what's your thoughts on that? Well, I'll go you know, back in time when the, the gas was at $100 a barrel. Putin you know, raised so much money that he tried to invade Georgia. And if it wasn't for the uh, then Polish president Lech Kaczynski, who went to Georgia with other leaders of the uh, uh, European countries and opposed Putin, you know, then Putin was uh, uh, had no choice but you know to to, uh, to back off from Georgia. And uh, at that point, the Polish president Lech Kaczynski, whom I knew, he says that if it's now Georgia, then next would be Ukraine and afterwards might be the Baltic states or even Poland. Uh, three, three years later, he was assassinated by Putin's goons, where his plane, the Polish Air Force One, was shut down, or actually there were bombs on a plane in uh, 2010, and the Polish president and the whole Polish delegation, including top generals, and Poland is a member of NATO, so they were top commanders of NATO, they all died in that plane crash. Uh, and uh, to this day, the Russians didn't release the black boxes, they didn't release the, uh, the actual wreckage, and they never allowed an independent uh, investigation of that so-called plane crash, which they blame on the pilot's error. But the Polish committees very clearly established that there were multiple bombs placed on a, on a plane and the plane exploded and shattered into pieces before even hitting the ground. Um, so. Back then, in 2010, we knew that something is coming. Then, again, you know, we had uh, President Obama. In his first term, at the end of his first term, he had a, a chat with Medvedev, who was then the uh, uh, president of Russia, because they were switching roles with Putin, and Putin was prime minister at that point. And uh, Obama told Medvedev, listen, in my second term, I'll have more flexibility. And he spoke to a live mic, which he didn't know about. And Medvedev told, OK, I'm going to relate this message to Putin. Sure enough, Obama won his second term and put Putin took, took Crimea, right? And again, Putin took Crimea at the moment when the gas prices went over $100 a barrel, OK? So subsequently, you know, when Trump, you know, got into power, 
and uh, created uh, energy independence for America and the oil prices went down to $35, $40 a barrel, Russians didn't have the revenues to start another war. Unfortunately, after you know, the fixed election, uh, Biden got into the White House, stopped the, uh, the pipeline, the Nord Stream pipeline, stopped you know, fracking on federal land, stopped, you know, froze all the new permits for fracking or for any oil exploration in Alaska, and suddenly, you know, our gas went from $2 a gallon to $4 a gallon, and uh, the oil ended up going, you know, to you know, $70, $80 a barrel. At that point, again, Putin started making a ton of money because that's all they export, you know, oil and gas. And he raised enough revenues to start the war and to invade Ukraine. And as I said, you know, elections have consequences. And the, uh, the dead people... Oh. And um, the bottom line is that those hundred, the hundreds of dead people in Ukraine are, are a direct outcome of the U.S. elections in 2020. There's no question about it in my mind. So uh, do you think that uh, there would be any impact if the U.S. Uh, blocked the SWIFT accounts to, to, toward Russia where they can't sell their oil? Is that a, is that a good sanction or, or is that not going to do anything? Uh, it's a good sanction. As a matter of fact, it was promoted by the uh, Polish Prime Minister, Mateusz Morawiecki, who is very strongly anti-communist, as was his father, who happened to be my personal friend, Kornel Morawiecki, leader of the Fighting Solidarity and Underground Movement. Mateusz Morawiecki also has a banking experience. He was the head of the Polish uh, uh, Santander Bank. Uh, Polish branch of Santander Bank, which is a Spanish bank, and prior to that he ran a one of the Polish banks that eventually merged into Santander. So he knows about SWIFT, he knows about banking very well, that's his background. And he promoted, you know, this whole thing with SWIFT, blocking Russian banks um, uh, through SWIFT, and I think he ended up convincing most of the European leaders to do that. So uh, hopefully that will happen. Uh, I know that happened partially, but I think all Russian banks should be blocked, and I think there should be, you know, much stronger sanctions, because the only thing that Putin will respond is power and economic pressure. So, do you think uh, Putin's working together with Xi in China, and maybe he is going to help on some of the funding to get him through any type of sanctions? It seems like they're in cahoots together. Uh, absolutely, they are, and as a matter of fact, you know, months ago. You know, I was, you know, you know, doing some, you know, radio interview and I said that I know exactly when the Ukraine invasion is going to start. And I said it's going to start a day or two after the end of Olympics, because I knew that he's not going to do it during Olympics to steal, you know, all the propaganda from uh, from the Chinese communists. And obviously they made an agreement that, you know, he won't do that. So he, Putin was amassing all these military forces, almost 200,000 soldiers on the Ukrainian border, both on Russian side and on the Belarusian side. Uh, and, you know, we knew, you know, we knew it's coming. Now, Putin right now has very large uh, reserves of uh, gold. I think, you know, about 20% of the Russian reserves are, are in gold and gold is going up. I think he can sustain probably, you know, up to six months of sanctions, but eventually, you know, he will have to give in. Uh, the thing that I'm really afraid of is uh, 
further collaboration between uh, Russia and communist China. Because if they decide to conquer the world together, uh, then we are in deep trouble. And again, you know, I think the next step right now would be that uh, communist China may invade Taiwan. And while they do that, and U.S. gets involved militarily, because we have alliances with Taiwan, when U.S. gets involved militarily with Taiwan, then Putin may attack uh, northeastern Poland and Lithuania. Split all their, uh, their, uh, their resources. And it's very hard for America or for the U.S. forces to fight on two fronts. And obviously because of Article 5 of the U.N. Uh, uh, resolution, if one uh, country, I mean, of the uh, NATO resolution, I'm sorry, Article 5 of NATO resolution, if they attack, you know, one country that's a member of NATO, all countries have to respond. So now we are talking about World War III. And that's scary. It is. And, and this morning uh, it was announced that uh, Putin was uh, putting their nuclear arsenal on alert. What's that tell us? Well, that tells, tells us that he lost his mind, basically. I think the Putin these days is not the same Putin that was a couple of years ago. I think all the power got to his head. Um, he might have some illness, I'm speculating now, and he wants to leave a legacy attached to his name. And part of the legacy will be restoration of the Soviet Union in the pre-1991 borders. And I think that's what he is going to uh, going to try. And if uh, using tactical nuclear weapons is part of that solution, actually that might happen. Uh, you know, this is scary. And again, it all goes back to our 2020 elections. If Trump was president, none of that would have happened. So weak, weakness and fecklessness is not a deterrent for totalitarian dictators? No, only strength is the deterrent. And Trump knew very well about it. He had you know, numerous you know, meetings with Putin. And you know, this, this man, I mean, I, I'm really a huge fan of Donald Trump because he has the balls. And he had the balls to stand up to Putin and say, listen, if you do something that we don't like, we are going to annihilate you, you know, completely. And Putin knew that he is, you know, playing with someone who has who has balls, and all these leaders, especially of those, you know, leaders of a, you know, like dictators, all they respect is power and strength of other leaders. And now suddenly we got this senile, you know, Joe Biden in the White House who doesn't know what's the day of the week and you know what what state he is in. And obviously Putin started observing him. Putin saw the. Uh, withdrawal from Afghanistan, which was a complete fiasco, uh, saw the brainwashing, you know, all the woke movements and, you know, things like that, cancel culture. culture and so forth. So Putin realized that between now and November, you know, 2022, now is the time for him to make the move. And this uh, Marxist ideology has been a long march in America. Don't you agree? This is American Marxism that we are, we're seeing now in the schools, in the corporations, uh, throughout everything, even into the American churches now, that this is infiltrated. And, and over the last couple of years, we've just seen a full frontal attack on the American freedoms. And uh, so what, what can we do? Well, you know, this is unfortunate, but... Uh the way I look at it, it's been going on since late 1960s, 
and I call it the Woodstock generation, all those hippies you know, from the Woodstock Festival, eventually they became professors in the academia and they started teaching socialism to, 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 to these kids. So this is not a new thing. As a matter of fact, in 1983, I was lecturing at the uh, Yale University and I was then afterwards I was chased by a bunch of guys in down vests with red stars and baseball bats no because I was talking about communism, the evil of communism, the uh, hundred million people killed by different communist regimes over the years and the communism never worked anywhere. Never. So, you know, if you try something, you know, 15 different times and it doesn't work, you know, Who's to say that it's going to work the 16th time? I mean, it's, it's total fiction. It's not a type of a system that will work anywhere. And, um, you know, people who support, you know, communism or communist ideology in the States, you know, they are, they are out of their minds in my book. Well, they're just not teaching it proper education in the schools, right? Well, yeah, this is History. I mean, I have an 18-year-old, you know, kid who is now a uh, junior in college. And I know she went through public schools and I know that they were trying to brainwash her. But, you know, she's strong enough to know, to, to know better because she knows my background. Yeah, her dad knows best for sure. <laughs> Absolutely. Well, God bless you, sir. And uh, thank you very much for joining us here on the Affirm America podcast today. And uh, we wish uh, Poland and, and Ukraine all the uh, support and blessings and prayers uh, for the people that are fighting for freedom. Because their freedom is our freedoms. Absolutely. Thank you very much. God bless you. Okay, so there you go. That's, uh, that was one heck of an interview. I hope that you uh, got something out of it. I hope it was informative for you. You get a feel for uh, someone that has lived through an occupation by communist dictators and what it's like, how you have to put your life on the line and how many times your friends and your family members can be killed or imprisoned by communists. So those here in America that think that socialism and communism is some kind of romantic idea and ideology that we should all embrace, like AOC and the squad, well, you just listen to these people that lived through communist occupations. And I'll give you an idea of what it would be like if we had socialism and communism here in the United States of America. Unfortunately, a lot of these individuals have been indoctrinated. They've been misguided. They haven't studied history and what communism has done around the world since its uh, beginnings under Marx and Engels and Stalin and Lenin. And today it's morphed into American Marxism, starting on the campuses, and now we're seeing it exposed through critical race theory. We're seeing it in the schools, in the corporations. We're seeing it spread around through cancel culture and through censorship on free speech, which is directly opposed to our Constitution. So I hope it was uh, an informative interview. I have some more coming to you here in the next day or two, so stay tuned. If you haven't signed up for our podcast, please go to AffirmAmerica.com. You can subscribe to my podcast channel there. We'll send out... Yeah, an email alert when those new episodes come out. You can also reach me at Marquise at AffirmAmerica.com. That's spelled M-A-R-Q-U-I-S at AffirmAmerica.com. Again, thanks for joining us today. 
hope to uh, see you on the next episode of Affirm America. And God bless America and God bless the freedom fighters in Ukraine fighting against the Russian invasion. Have a wonderful day. A new book reveals how to recognize and defeat the evil of communism and other totalitarian regimes like Putin's Russia. The Triumph of Good, Cain, Abel, and the End of Marxism with commentary by the author, Thomas Cromwell. You can pick up a copy of Thomas's book on Amazon. Order your copy today. This is the Affirm America podcast with your host, Marquis Vandemark. And let's never forget, America is great and we affirm it.